0: Hey, Ghost, what's going on? And uh, I just wanted to take a quick second before we get into this this episode. And uh, I just wanted to mention that in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a report published by the Analytical Support and Sanctions Monitoring Team from the UN Security Council talking about uh, current events in Afghanistan. And later on in the podcast, we talk about relationships between uh, the Taliban and uh, some other foreign nations around Afghanistan, but, uh, particularly Iran. What I failed to mention Uh, During the discussion is the relationship between the Taliban and Pakistan, which goes all the way back to uh, the founding of the Taliban in 1994. Now, the Taliban was not founded by Pakistan, but they've worked closely with Pakistan almost the entire time they've been around. Yeah. And uh, in there, I also talk about the irony between the the Taliban and Iran. Uh, Right now, they're not on good terms, which is funny, considering that Iran at one time supported the Taliban and their efforts to get rid of us. Now, the Taliban is working with Al-Qaeda, or at least a faction of the Taliban is... And uh, they are training and supporting other tal- uh, the other Taliban group in the region, which is the Tariqi Taliban or the Pakistani Taliban, the Pakistan version of, ta- of the Taliban, who's currently making life very hard for the government of Pakistan. So uh, it's just kind of funny to see those things uh, come home to roost, if you know what I mean. But yeah, so I just wanted to mention that real quick and correct that. So yeah. And also... You can support us now on uh, Spotify. So if you uh, look up the podcast on Spotify, there should be a button on there uh, for donations or what or whatnot. It's not it's not anything you absolutely have to do. And honestly, I don't really care if you do or not. If you feel like, <laughs> by all means. But if not, it's fine as well. We're just gonna, we're gonna keep doing our thing the way, we're, way we've been doing and uh, improve little things here and there as we go forward as we uh, learn more. Anyway, uh, I just want to mention all that. Oh, and uh, one last thing. Uh, I happen I'm still working with. Operation Allies Refuge Foundation. So, if you want to go on over to the website at operations, excuse me, Operation Allies Refuge There's a donate button on there as well. So, if you feel like uh helping out the organization and uh, help us do some good things for some uh, good people who have uh, been neglected in large part, not only by the government but uh, by society as a whole, that'd be very much appreciated. Everything else we'll get into with the podcast. But anyway, just want to give a little, quick little bit in the opening here, and uh, yeah thank y'all. Hope y'all stick around to the end. It gets very good. It gets very good at the end. I will say that. And uh, looking forward to future ones. But yeah, thank you. See y'all around. Do. Yeah, you start us <laughs> off. I didn't
1: realize that I was the least one doing that. Well, hello. and Welcome back to another podcast. I have no idea what we're talking about, so I guess we can just start with a life update? Question mark? I don't know. I've just been swamped with work. Just working a lot of hours. Mm. The garden is doing really well. We've got some tomatoes, cucumbers, sweet potatoes. We have a watermelon plant, which I'm not really sure we're gonna get anything from, but it's at least pretty. Oh, and bell peppers, we have some green bell peppers growing.
0: There were a couple ones growing off of the stock uh, was supposed to be red bell peppers. I'm assuming they're gonna turn red when they get ripe. But
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure because like I've seen like yellow and orange ones turn red. So I'm assuming it'll go through, like, a color change. I don't think they just grow red, but don't quote me on that. Uh, No one come for me. I'm not quite sure. I know green ones are just straight up green. I don't know about the red ones, though. Yeah. I'm assuming it's, like, if you want a certain color. And I'm not even really sure if there's, like, a difference in taste, to be honest, with the bell peppers. Like, I've had sweet peppers before. But they're different from bell pepper. And I think I honestly think it's just like a color thing. It's just like a... What is it called? Like a visual... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, like no, it's visually appealing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I'm looking forward to at least harvesting and some stuff. We've got some really nice tomatoes growing. They're just definitely not ripe yet. Mm-hmm. We probably have a bell pepper too. We could go ahead and harvest, but... I just haven't been home lately to really go look at any of them
0: no i think we've actually been doing really well this season it's just so damn hot
1: yeah oh my gosh it's so hot here like it's like you don't even want to be outside
0: i think either thursday or friday i was supposed to get up to 100 this past thursday or past friday
1: well just this past week there was one day when the high was like 123 i think that was with humidity though but still, even without humidity, we're hitting triple digits. The humidity just adds on to that. So it's been it's been very, very hot. It's so crazy. Like, we'll water the plants early in the morning before the sun even comes up. And then, like, it, in the middle of the day, everything looks like it's dying. And then everything gets, like, a burst of energy at the end of the day because the sun's gone.
0: Yeah. I wish we could control, like, how much sun, everything gets better. But there's not a whole lot we can do about that with what we got.
1: Yeah. We would have to have... We would need, like, a better setup.
0: Uh, If we get to a more permanent location and, like, really invest in it, like, a good garden, I think we can get it done.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. It wouldn't be hard. Oh, um, Avi, my first avocado baby, he's doing amazing. He's actually started to grow, like, a canopy kind of situation off of his trunk. So he's looking beautiful. He now has a sibling named Coda. He is a different type of avocado, but he has started to grow. He's blossoming. He's so cute. I planted two more avocado seeds. They were already uh, developing good roots, but nothing has surfaced yet. Um, But those are going to be girls or girl names at least. (laughs) And I'm going to have a whole army of avocado trees eventually. It's going to be great.
0: I'm a little worried. I just haven't seen anything from them yet.
1: Well, if you recall, Avi, when I first put him in a pot, and I put him in a pot without even attempting to do the whole, like, put him in water and get him to sprout roots, I just straight up planted him. It took months, months for us to see anything. And I got so worried that I actually dug in the pot a little bit to see if anything was happening, like, because I thought maybe he rotted and, like, he died, but when I when I dug to see what was going on, you could see part of him trying to come to the surface. He had he already, already he already had a root system, so he was trying to come to the surface. He just needed a little bit more time. And then I think two weeks later he finally sprouted. So it took him a very long time. These ones already have kind of a root system, but I, I mean I'm just I'm just we're good. We're just waiting on them. Sometimes it takes time. Yeah. I know Coda, I did the same thing I did with the other, the two new babies. I waited for him to have a root system and then planted him in the pot. And he actually came up super quick. But I don't know if it was just the type of avocado or what, but I almost feel like it was a fluke. I don't know how it happened so quickly.
0: Yeah, before you start growing, I didn't realize there were different kinds.
1: Yeah, there's a, now we have two of each kind, so... There's like the Haas the avocados that you see in stores, and then you have the big green avocados. So we have two of each variety now. Okay. So we have two Haas avocado trees, and we have two green avocado trees. Or at least I think that's what the big, the big, bald, green-looking ones, I think they're just called green avocados. But yeah, I'm excited for them. We repotted a lot of stuff recently, so Avi got a new pot, Koda got a new pot, Sharon our Peace Lily got a new pot because she was having a fit in her previous pot, and then, oh, I don't know what it is, I think it's some type of variety of cacti, I'm not sure, I got it from a friend, I decided to pot it, and at one point it has just like exploded, so it was, in a, it was in a fairly small pot to begin with and it looked like it was kind of dying so I decided to repot it and it's actually way happier now. I don't know if the way that it's growing is the proper way for it to grow because instead of growing out, it's growing up like in a stalk, but it seems really happy. It's been flowering a lot so I'm just going to keep it in that pot until it gets too big and then I guess we'll see what happens. We have some aloe vera that's not doing so well. I might have to go buy another one eventually. But I tried to save it. A lot of it's like... I don't even know what you call them. A lot of it's like... Quote-unquote leaves or stems or whatever. Kept getting too waterlogged. And then when I would fix it, my lovely husband here would overwater it. (laughs) So I had to take all of the outer ones off. And it was only left with like three. So... It still, it looks like it's doing well. We just have to constantly bring it in if we're expecting a lot of rain because you're not supposed to water them a whole lot.
0: Yeah, just it has not been raining that much recently. Yeah,
1: it's been pretty bone dry.
0: So yeah, even when it does rain, everything dries up super yeah. fast. Oh, uh,
1: what is his name? Is it Blue or Berry? Which one lived? Was that Berry?
0: I don't remember. (laughs) You were the one calling. Whatever one was over there by the fence. I
1: think he was blue. So blue, or blueberry bush, he's made a serious comeback. We had also added to his pot a friend because we were worried that he wouldn't make it by himself. So we added a friend. But I went out there yesterday, and there's another little baby one growing on the side somewhere. And I was like, look at that. Blue's? No, I
0: told I told you about that one a while ago. No, you did not. Yes, I did.
1: Well, I don't remember that. So <laughs> anyway, he's doing super well in his pot. He's loving life. I think for him, it's more of like he just has to like die during the winter and then he comes back with a awesome force in the springtime because he looked really bad during the winter.
0: Well, I when we first got him, I over I overwatered both of them. Yeah, ended up killing the one, but. uh The other one has made a comeback and it's growing pretty well. So I just, I mean, I water it every day, but I don't put nearly as much water in as I used to. Yeah. So I just put a decent amount in there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then, uh, yeah, it's been doing fine. Uh, Everything's green. Everything's growing.
1: Yeah. I'd say we were being pretty successful this year. So far, so good. I've, oh, the other thing that I repotted was, so my original basil plant, I did not properly trim it. So instead of growing out into a bush, it grew up like a big tree stalk. So what I've been doing is I've been, every once in a while, I'll sniff off a big part and I'll procreate it. So basically, I'm just putting the stem in water so that it grows some roots out and then I'm re-putting it in a pot. And then I'm going to keep track of snipping it so it stays more of a bush rather than a tree or something.
0: Yeah. I mean what's left on there is growing. It seems like it's recovering a little bit. No, I mean, it always
1: does. And and basil is is like a year-round thing, but you have to properly you have to properly trim it or whatever they call it. And I just wasn't doing it right.
0: I think prune it.
1: Prune, prune yeah. You have to properly prune it and I wasn't doing that. So, I'm trying to start over a little bit. It's kind of a long process, but I mean it's worth it. The ones that I've already replanted have taken really well. So I'm not worried about doing it for the rest of my old basil. But I acknowledge that I'm going to have to get a bigger pot in general because this, the one that I have right now is way too small. We're going to have to maybe get rid of that lettuce, redo the soil in that pot, and then maybe use that one just for basil.
0: Oh, and I did notice too on the original tree where you were cutting cutting off the basil, yeah uh one of the stock the stems that you cut off it's uh it's growing back now it's got a sprout on it oh it doesn't yeah
1: yeah well it's going to do that but i just needed i wanted like a good piece of it to start if i was going to start a new pot Dang, you
0: yeah you definitely got a good one to start with and yeah. it's been doing fun i water it every morning and everything not too much because small pot and small plant but
1: yeah well like i said we need a what we really need to do is, like, once I do that for, like, maybe two or three more sections and put it in that pot, and make sure it has a good root system, we need to transfer it into a bigger pot. Yeah. So, we're working on all of it, though. Our composting has gone super well. I think we finally have got our own groove about it, our own, like, method. And I feel like that's going really well. So, we just have to keep it up and we have to make sure, like... We have to set limits for ourselves when we need to start a new batch of compost, and we've done that. So it's I think we're going to be super successful, especially this winter.
0: Yeah, and everything we put in it, like all the plants and everything, I, I thought we could lose like twenty five, maybe even fifty percent of like what we put in the ground at the beginning of the summer. But no, everything took, and it's been growing excessively.
1: Right. It's just really rich. We have a lot of rich nutrients in our soil in our compost soil which is actually awesome because there is only two of us. So it's not like we it's not like combined we have a lot of stuff to compost but because we are rotating our soil in our garden that helps a lot. We've also been adding extra soil if we happen to go buy any to our pile. So I think that's helping as well.
0: And then whenever I cut the grass I uh, well I probably won't for this one again. But uh, I just cut the grass a few days ago, and I put a bag uh, in the full compost. of grass. I put a bag in the compost to add, like, another layer. Because you're supposed to, like, kind of layer it.
1: You are, with, yeah. Like,
0: uh, with, like, dirt, uh, whatever you're composting, and then more dirt or grass or whatever on top of that. Yeah. And just keep layering it, layering it, layering it. So that's what I did. And honestly, where it's at now, honestly, you want to put, like, some more dirt on top of it, which probably be a good idea. It's fine where it's at when you start building the the.
1: Well, yeah, that was the idea, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And actually, a lot of people, like, especially since we have the raised garden beds, we might want to consider asking my sister or something if we can take some logs, if she has any, and just put them at the bottom. They're a good source of food for the soil as well, but it also takes up space, so you don't have to worry about, like, filling the entire thing up with just soil. So, I don't know, it's just, like, future things we can think about, but i think we're making a do for now hopefully we'll be looking for a place within the next year and then we can figure something more permanent out
0: yeah honestly what i really like to do is like if we get our own place have like a plot that i'll just like dig up and hoe up then we'll plant like our vegetables and whatever in there yeah and then we could just have that raised garden bed just be like just for herbs
1: Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I would like to do more in-ground growing, but we just can't do that right now with our our living situation. But anything herb-based, I would want to put in pots. Because, like, you can't, like, basil's very invasive, but mint's very invasive. So, I mean, you could tell from the mint and the rosemary that I have planted together the mint has basically taken over but eventually I'd like to have everything have its own home so uh, we don't have to worry about it too much what I'd really want to put in a raised plant bed would be some perna- per how do you say it Perinatals. plants that are like year-round but they don't they're like only beneficial for your garden Anyway, oh, no, that's
0: you have, have to tell me. <laughs> no,
1: I'm pretty sure it's they're called perinatals. Like we can put a bunch of perinatals together that would work well. Anyway, that's kind of how life has been treating us lately. Fourth of July is coming up. We might yeah. go do something. We might not. Kind of depends.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on how you feel that morning. Cause yeah, honestly, you will have, have worked the day before,
1: and then work the day after. Yeah, yeah, and they're both full sh- They're both full day shifts, so yeah, it's a lot back to back. And I really don't want to. My biggest thing lately is like, I love being out in the sun, but I'm very wary of getting sunburned because I know myself, and it'll just be hell if I get sunburned and then I have to work with sunburn. So, and I've been. Work has been – I don't know if it's because we have, like, these big windows in the front, but in the treatment area, it's been so hot. And I've just been sweating, and it's so gross, and I'm going to have to start bringing, like, an extra shirt to work and, like, switch out in the middle of the day or something because it's been really gross. Oh
0: well, yeah, that's, that's going to be the windows, all the bodies you have in the room. Yeah. And then just the fact that everybody's doing work and –
1: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is the windows straight up are not tinted at all. So they're not tinted, but we also have, we have these window blinds that come down. They're kind of like blackout window ones. But if you're right up on it, like, and I mean, like, if you're even just like five inches away from it, you're feeling the heat of the sun just radiating off of that window blind. So it is, it's, Regardless of there being a blind there, it is still very warm by those windows. So, I almost want to propose buying like those stickers for like the windows, you know, like the privacy stickers, but get like a tinted version and like see if that'll help at all because it is just extremely warm. And I don't see us moving anytime soon from that building. So, it's like we might as well make it comfortable for us while we're still there. And I just think, I also think it's weird that. We actually don't have any tent, especially on our doors, because you can just see right into the office, and that's a little scary. I don't I, I,
0: don't, I feel like not having tent is normal. Really? I just, your, I just know your family, like, on all y'all's vehicles and stuff, you like to put tent on your yeah, windows. Yeah,
1: because, like, we're normal. Normal people put tent I don't, on their windows. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, huh? Babe, yes, huh?
0: My family doesn't put tent on any of our vehicles. Your
1: car has tent,
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Yes, it does. Where? If we rolled down your window, I could show you where the tent starts. We can go do it right now. We can pause the podcast.
0: Do you really want to do that?
1: Yeah, to prove that I'm right. Yes.
0: (laughs) You're right. You want to do that? Yeah,
1: I do. Pause
0: it. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. Not tinted.
1: Okay. Not tinted. I don't have my car here to fully compare because I know for a fact that my windows are tinted. But on his car windows you can't see like a film line like at the very top where you normally would see one so I'm very shocked. No wonder why your car is like the freaking surface of a volcano when you get in there. It's because you've got no tent at all. Tent not only protects your car, the color of your car on the inside, it helps to decrease how hot it is in that thing. I know you're not a car person, but you should really tint your windows.
0: No, I think I'm good. Anyway, that victory is for the boys.
1: Whatever. <laughs> I don't know how we got on the subject of tint.
0: Oh, well, you're we talking about the windows at your office.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, the
0: windows. Yeah, and honestly, if y'all want to have the amount of patience that y'all want to have come through there, y'all going to need to move to another building.
1: Apparently, they've had, like, 200 patients in that building before, and everything's run smoothly. I think the thing is, is that they changed the way that they do things at that office. So, it will definitely be tricky. But, um, I feel like it would be doable, but I also feel like I would need some help. Adjusting that many people in a week is... Already the amount that I'm adjusting right now is a lot. So... We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. And then there's me. I'm still just trying to figure something out. But uh, I got excited the other week. I thought I had something lined up. And then uh, I had an interview on Thursday. And I sent them an email on Friday. And they got back to me on Monday. And nope.
1: Yeah. But it's okay. You're still looking.
0: Yeah. It's just aggravating especially when the program that you're a part of is like saying they're all about training teachers well, training people to like go into the school system to be teachers and educators. And then we got really none of that training. And then now I'm trying to get a job doing that and figuring out what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah
1: someone at work who is a teacher told me that it's really not about and this is really sad that a teacher admitted this to me but they said that teaching is not about what you know and how you could provide quality to that to students it's more about how well you can handle a room full of kids isn't that sad You're basically a glorified babysitter.
0: Well, that's what the school system's become in the last in the last several decades.
1: Yeah, it's just really sad. There's a principal who's a patient at work and he actually was talking about this awesome program they have for students. When they're I think it's either their junior and senior year might just be their senior year, they have the opportunity to go to it's kind of like a satellite building that's in the area but they can go there and take a class on I think right now they just have medical classes so like EMT or like uh, athletic trainer. but they're they're working it to where there can be a mechanics class some kind of science course and like actual jobs that you don't have to go to college for you could go to like trade school because they've realized that not every kid is cut out for regular college life. And some need other options. Which I think is amazing that someone's actually admitted that. It's like, of course not every kid is going to be cut out for college. It's just not for some people, to be honest. And you can learn really good life skills just by having a regular job. But you also need options as to like what else is out there. You know, like you don't have to do a job that requires you to go to school for four plus years you go to trade school get some kind of certificate within like two maybe three years and still make a a good money you could still make really good money
0: yeah you can also make better money starting out after a trade school or a technical school Mm
1: -hmm. than
0: getting a four-year degree
1: and you wouldn't be swamped in debt i mean you'd have some debt probably but like it wouldn't be a ridiculous amount
0: Well, I mean, maybe not, because after you go to that school for a year, year and a half, two years, depending on the program, they might start you on some kind of internship.
1: Where you could get paid.
0: And then you, you get paid after you work out, like, so many months on the internship, you'll start getting paid, like, actually working there, and then that'll pay for whatever schooling you need.
1: Yeah. It's just, like, they... I don't know who thought it was a good idea to push regular college onto everyone, but... It's really not. It's it's actually really sad. Like, you see a lot of students nowadays, they're going through college, and they're like, yeah, I signed up for this. I really hate it, but I don't know what else to do. So then they're, like, three years in, and you're at whatever standing you're at, and then you all of a sudden you switch. you got to start all over again. So what do you think? You're in school at that point, probably, like, five or six years, especially if it's, like, something from, like, left field, you know, like you're completely doing a 180 and you have no idea how long it's going to take you to do. And then what a lot of students have been doing, they've been not just doing the regular semesters, the fall and the spring semester, they've also been going to summer school, which one costs more and it's more intense, but you can quote unquote, get out of school faster if you do it that way, because you can get those like three or four extra credits a year, whereas, like, if you didn't do summer school, you'd have to make sure you pile it on, like, 15-plus hours during a regular semester, which is already hard enough with the way that they allow you to pick your classes. Depending upon how many students are at that school, it's seniority first. So if you're a freshman and you want to take a course and you're on that like last tier of people who gets to pick, I mean, you might be screwed. I remember in school, I was so stressed out about picking my courses because you could have it in your little wish list, right? Like you could have it all planned out. But if one class closed, you had to think the whole thing over again. And you just had to hope that your teacher wasn't a jerk. Sorry, I don't want to get on education. I'm just saying, I think it's awesome that there are high schools out there that are prepping people for an alternative path of education.
0: Yeah, well, alternative schooling has been the conversation, the general public conversation for the last few years now. And it's a really important one, a really good one to have. And I mean, we had our episode about yeah education which apparently no one really, no, ca- one really no, cared, no one cared about it which is totally fine no, no i was just
1: like in the mood to really talk about it especially since at the time that was the subject of your thesis
0: yeah at the time it was so
1: i thought it was cool to talk about it
0: i'm definitely still passionate about it and just yeah but uh things are i think things are changing they're, they're going to change very slowly but once the changes are in place i think things are going to be a lot better yeah it's just uh How long is it going to be between now and then? And uh, how much how painful is it going to be between now and then? But yeah, coming on the other side of it, I think uh, the school system eventually will improve. I think it will worsen in some areas. Mm -hmm. I think school choice is a good thing. Yeah. That's a good move. Uh, Charter schools, private schools, and homeschooling is really...
1: Homeschool is up and coming. Yeah. They are making a comeback.
0: I mean, there was kind of a big homeschool movement back in the 90s but it's
1: definitely coming back now it's like they had a reprieve for like 10 plus years and now they're coming back
0: because just the traditional school system just ain't it
1: well it's not doing it for everyone
0: well yeah well it's not doing it for everyone and it's just it's become so but yeah yeah we we need to get off
1: topic that's
0: not what this uh, yeah that's not what this one's that's not what we want this one to be about
1: anyway um i really don't know what we're talking about so how about you tell us or wait, we didn't even do an intro. Hey guys. <laughs> I real—I just realized this. We didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Dylan. This is Chris. Hello. Uh, and you're listening to Socrates on the Mountain.
0: Were you really almost about to forget?
1: <laughs> no, I always, in my head, it's not Socrates on the Mountain. It's like Socrates something mountain. So I just wanted to make sure I remembered the on the part.
0: Okay. What was it going to be like in the mountain?
1: No, I don't know what Go, it was.
0: Going up the mountain? Going down the mountain?
1: It might have just been Socrates on... No, I mean that's it. Socrates on the mountain. I don't know. Anyway, basically <laughs> this is Socrates on the mountain and you're hanging out with Dylan and Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris, what is... Yeah. It's weird calling you Chris i know <laughs> i'm just gonna say it. it's his real his full name is christopher and i like that way better but y'all can just call him and know him as chris anyway what are we talking about today
0: yeah well uh other thing with me besides uh, almost getting a job and then not getting a job <sighs> was uh i've been doing a what nothing ahead. i've been doing uh some work with the nonprofit operation allies refuge foundation it's uh i it's been one well, it's been giving me something to do which is really nice and uh, I just appreciate the mission they're trying to do. And uh, coming off of the, my thesis and going into that, I think is beneficial not only to myself, but I'm hoping I'm bringing a lot to them. From what we've been talking back and forth and from what they've been saying, this seems like I have been doing some stuff for them, which I hope I can continue to do. I've been part, working as part of their historical research and preservation team. Yeah, I mean, we're still trying to get things off the ground right now. I mean, it's a nonprofit and uh, it's relatively new, so we don't really have a whole lot of money. One of the, uh, top guys asked me to make a budget and, uh, I did that and, uh, we're talking about moving forward with something like that once we actually start getting funds and, uh, hopefully I start getting some work done, which is going to involve a lot of, um, kind of like what my thesis did, doing interviews and stuff like that with guys who were there on the ground in, uh, Kabul back in August 21 and, uh, getting their stories, preserving their stories, uh, presenting it to the public. Yeah. Using that to conduct research and, uh, our initial goal is to eventually write, uh, two books of, uh, in two books in different styles. One will be more, uh, I guess, reader friendly, uh, as far as like the general public general public goes, and one's going to be uh, more academic. Hopefully we can, uh, do a good job with those. And I think we're on the right track right now, just trying to get a lot of logistical and administrative stuff out of the way. And yeah, hopefully we're going to uh, start getting some money soon. So if you guys are interested in supporting something like that, feel free to go to uh, Operation Allies of org. Pretty sure that's the website. And uh, there's a little donate button on there so you can go on there and donate however much you feel like you, uh, however much you think we deserve. And uh, yeah, hopefully you all can uh, help us uh, get off the ground and get going. And uh, on that topic, not only were you looking at the... Uh, Situation of the pullout of Afghanistan or the Afghan or the uh, Afghan war in general. Uh, we're still trying to keep up to date with what's going on over there, and that's kind of like where this podcast. Is. So some a report came out, and I was looking at, it and I'm like, well, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit, and uh, uh, maybe we'll get into the history of the Afghan war, at least the United States Afghan war, because there's been like, oh God, how so many people have gone through the area that is today known as Afghanistan in fought wars of some of one fashion or another so yeah all right well those are this report was published uh it was published back in may i didn't see it until a couple of weeks ago by the u.n security council uh specifically it's their body for monitoring uh sanctions and stuff like that and they uh just keep tabs on uh, any countries that uh, have sanctions against them which Afghanistan as of right now currently does or the uh, technically the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan aka the Taliban as a uh, the US like to reference in the Was uh, remembered as the Doha agreement back in February 2020 Which I always, uh, I've been I've been reading into that more and more. It was kind of Well, I mean, it's not funny, but I don't know. It's just weird how that Ended up the way it did with that agreement and everything but I uh, will get into that if we get into that but uh, referencing that agreement one of the stipulations was that the Taliban would not host any international or foreign terrorist organizations inside Afghanistan as a condition for the U.S. pulling out. Well, not that they ever really held that up to begin with, but uh, it's become more and more obvious now that uh, they really just do not care, and that is because uh, the Al Qaeda uh, organization, originally founded by Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri back in the nineteen nineties, I-, I did see one report saying like they. Founded it back in the 80s, which I don't think is true. The the ones that I've seen is that they got together and did it in, like, 1994, 1995. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're back in Afghanistan, just like they were in the late 90s, early 2000s, doing what they do best.
1: Which is?
0: Well, because they're good at it. We don't know exactly details. Exact, we don't know exact details of what's going on. But they've moved in. They've become part of the Taliban government in Afghanistan, and they've uh, expanded training operations, as well as uh, logistical and administrative operations in the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the 1990s all over again, as far as Afghanistan is concerned. The Taliban is back in power with uh, Al-Qaeda right next to them. And to my knowledge, they haven't done anything yet, and it's not that exactly clear what the direction of Al-Qaeda is going to be going forward. Especially after, uh, I mean, Bin Laden was killed back in 2011. And then uh, Zawahiri was killed in August 2022, so last year, via drone strike, which was like one of the, which for me at least, that was like the big alarm bell. They're like, okay, Taliban does not care. They're just going to do whatever they're going to do. Because uh, Zawahiri was killed by a drone strike in an, impar- in, yeah, in an apartment in Kabul, which for those of you who don't know, is the capital of Afghanistan. So yeah, they're uh, in pretty deep with each other. I mean, it's going all the way back to the 90s and the early 2000s, and even when the war started back in October 2021, uh, U.S. officials didn't really differentiate between the Taliban and Al-Qaeda very much, which means there is a difference between them. They are two different groups, and they are two different ideologies. With uh, the Taliban, they uh, are Deobandi, Sunni Islam, and then the Al-Qaeda follows uh, Salafi. Sunni Islam, which we kind of got into and I'm yeah we, we talked about talked about that in the podcast before, but they've seen it as to their mutual advantage that they they're better off together than not or at least a faction of the Taliban seems to think that because also in this report is that the Taliban is kind of splitting with one set with one uh, one half of the group being headquarters out of Kabul, which is the capital of Afghanistan and the other half being headquartered out of the city of Kandahar and the province of Kandahar in southern Afghanistan, which is where the Taliban was originally founded back in 1994 by Mullah Muhammad Omar. So that was kind of interesting to see as well. And the Taliban has never really been not nearly as, well, as united as a lot of people like to give it credit for. I mean, it when Muhammad Omar was alive in the 90s and early 2000s, well, I think, Reports said he probably died around 2013. Uh, it didn't come out until 2015. But whenever he was in charge and like, the Taliban was doing well in Afghanistan, the Taliban was kind of united. But as things got difficult and the, the U.S. after the U.S. invasion, they kind of split off. And partly out of necessity, partly because like different people in the Taliban wanted power from themselves and wanted to use it their own way and uh, towards their own objectives, their own goals, while still kind of adhering to the same overall ideological mission of the Taliban, which was to create an Islamic emirate in the country of Afghanistan. And then maybe once that was secured, expand it outward, but they never really got that far. At least in 2001, they didn't get that far. So yeah, but back to Al-Qaeda, they've kind of, uh, I think especially since, I think especially since Zawahiri was killed, because from what I could tell that Al-Qaeda was not expecting that and There was a manhunt inside Afghanistan trying to figure out, like, okay, who spilled the beans? Who let the Americans know that Zawahiri was here? And, you know, I don't know if anything came from that, but they've been, like, getting more and more secretive since then because Zawahiri was kind of their de facto leader. Now he's dead. And now they've had a couple guys come up and say, like, and people are saying that these guys are probably leading the organization now, but it might not be a definite thing, so... Uh, the consensus seems to be right now from the intelligence communities that the Al Qaeda is decentralizing, so they're splitting off in different groups and operating kind of on their own while still adhering to that same kind of basic mission, which is to overthrow pro-Western governments in the Middle East and Central Asia, as well as attack those Western governments which are supporting their enemies, whoever they uh, deem them to be. So, like with that happening and like this internal split inside the Taliban happening which some people kind of predicted that once the Taliban actually win in Afghanistan the movement having lost their initial like direct enemy and having no one to directly fight will kind of start to fracture a little bit as they kind of fight each other so some people have made that prediction uh, and it seems it seems to be happening right now and it's like the the faction that's in Kabul is uh, in a better position, geographically speaking, because of Kabul's right in the middle of the country. It has access to all corners of the country. And being allied with an organization like Al-Qaeda gives it access to uh, overseas funds, as well as uh, exerting any kind of influence there. And the faction, which is technically supposed to be the lead faction, but they've gone back to Kandahar while... Kandahar was like the ideological and like the literal and the moral base of the Taliban. There's not really a whole lot going on there. It's more isolated. Uh, it's very rural, very sparse. I mean, it, has, it does really well in terms of like uh, they grow a lot of poppy down there, which is used to make heroin so they, make, they can make money that way. But a lot of that still goes through Kabul or goes through uh, Pakistan. So, yeah. That's kind of the overall situation in Afghanistan right now. Uh, it's just after twenty years of war and uh, more than two thousand lives lost in Afghanistan alone. It's uh, not a great, not a great picture to see come up again. And just uh, like the fact that the Doha Agreement literally meant at this point literally means nothing. What people have been saying since the beginning. I, I might me personally, I kind of wanted to, I don't know, maybe hope that it meant something, but. As we're saying, the military hope isn't a hope's not a plan. So, uh, part of me wanted to believe that the Taliban uh, in this day and age was different, wanted to be different than they were in the 90s. And they still are in some ways, uh, mostly because Muhammad Omar and a few other key leaders aren't there anymore because they're dead. But uh, yeah, no, they still seem to be very much the same group organization that they were in the 90s. Is just now, instead of controlling two-thirds to three-quarters of the country like they did in nineteen 2000-2001, in, uh, now they control the whole country. So they can do whatever they want. Any of their perceived allies can go into Afghanistan and do whatever they want. And any allied groups they have in uh, the surrounding countries, which uh, they do have, especially in Pakistan, it's called the, you can call it the Pakistani Taliban, or the, uh, I think they're technically called the Tariqi Taliban who have been involved in an active insurgency against the Pakistani government for several, several years now. And uh, there's good evidence that the Pakistani Taliban are going into Afghanistan, receiving training not just from the Afghan ta- Afghanistan Taliban, but from Al-Qaeda as well, and using that training against the Pakistani government. So Pakistan's not in a good shape right now. And then on the other side, it's kind of ironic because, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. Apparently, a few weeks ago, there was a border clash between Taliban and Iranian border guards started shooting at each other, and a few guys were killed. I think a few Iranians were killed and a couple Taliban were killed. So tensions between Afghanistan and Iran right now are not great, which is ironic because Iran helped train, fund, and equip the Taliban when they were fighting against us, which is weird because kind of like how they're not exactly idealized. the Taliban is not exactly ideologically aligned with Al Qaeda. Taliban is even less so with Iran, because at least Al Qaeda and the Taliban are both Sunni Islam. They both uh, come from the Sunnis. Uh, Iran is 100% Shiite, and Shiites and Sunnis in the Muslim world do not like each other at all. And Iran has the distinction of being really the only Shiite-dominated country. In that, well, in the world, and especially in that region of the world, with uh, Iraq being a close second. And Iraq and uh, Iran have gotten a lot closer together uh, since the US war in Iraq ended back in 2011. So, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. And if anyone's interested in hearing about what's going on in the outside world, outside of the United States, yeah, it's kind of what's going on. It's just, I don't know. I think about how all this started why the U.S. went in there in the first place, and then just to see it come back around and basically be where it was. I I think the only real difference is that women, some women can work some jobs in Afghanistan right now, but that's becoming less and less of a thing as the weeks and months go by. I think in response to sanctions by the U.N., the Taliban have decreed that no women are allowed to work for the U.N. inside Afghanistan. So... Yeah. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm just not that surprised that it's becoming a shit show over there. I mean, the U.S. quote-unquote pulled out, and the Taliban took over, and we all know the Taliban are bad people. They don't want women to have any resemblance of a life or any kind of power over their own life. So, I mean good on some woman for still working apparently, but I mean, we know that's not the case in Kuwait. All those women have all but been barricaded inside now not allowed to go out in public. So.
0: Oh, you mean Kabul?
1: Oh, sorry, yeah, Kabul. Yeah. Might be Kabul. So it's, you know, it, it just doesn't shock me, which is sad, but it doesn't. I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's our fault, but we kind of like the Taliban bully us into leaving the country and then they took over, and through a series of very unfortunate events, we left a lot of people stranded, and without any kind of way to protect themselves from them, but we couldn't do much about that, so, and it's, it's a, it's a hard situation. I definitely would not want to be over there right now, I can tell you that. It's, it's de- sounding, it sounding it pretty great. You know what it makes me think of? I, like, oddly enough, this is, Probably because I've watched the movie lately. But it makes me think of, like, Iron Man. Like, you know, the scene where, like, he's being dragged through. Watching, like, how all of his, like, guns and stuff are, like, in that one little concentrated area. Just kind of makes me think that those there are, like, actual spots like that out there. And I'm sure there are. But it makes me think that they're just, like, holding down in some places. And they're about to, it's about to be, like, a real shit show. Like, I'm talking, like, War. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think you're talking about that scene where uh, he's captured by that terrorist group and they're, yeah. they're dragging him into the cave, their their cave Yeah, through the and
1: cave and then out, outside and you see all these like fucking guns and missiles and all this shit.
0: Yeah, all stuff and made by his
1: By his company. By his company. I feel like <laughs> that's legit. I feel like it minus like Stark Industries. It's like all American made shit. And they're just holding out in these caves and in these little like set up barricaded areas and stuff and like they're just waiting for it to go down they're all just waiting for the order all right cool let's go and it's just going to be mass chaos and what are we going to do we're going to sit here on our thumbs and we're going to be like well last time we intervened y'all didn't like it caused more of a shit show on our side we lost a lot of people send them over there to fight and i'm not sure anyone in the u.s would be willing to go back I mean, do you know anyone who has served has like gone over there and like fought in that whole situation who would want to go back and protect those people?
0: There's been plenty of guys who said that uh, they want to go back.
1: For what reason, though? Just to be part of a war, or to actually help those people? Mixed reviews.
0: To help the people that they knew when they were there, and kill the Taliban because fuck them.
1: That's fair, but I mean, you know, but they have to have they have to have orders to do that. And if, yeah. like, all the top-tier people in our nation don't want to go over there, it's ignorant of us to think that we'll be sent over there again.
0: Yeah, I mean, chances of the United States returning to Afghanistan, especially anytime soon, is... Low, right? Very, very low. Yeah, not especially about...
1: Well, right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, even if, you know, even if something did go down over there, the chances of us going back are very slim at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of what it sounds like. It sounds like it's all just building right now. It's just building for some kind of, like, eruption.
0: Yeah, and it might be. Because, I mean, what's going on in Pakistan now, which is Afghanistan's eastern and and southern neighbor, if Al-Qaeda and the uh, Afghan Taliban start really funding, training, and supplying the Pakistani Taliban... Then the Pakistani government in Islamabad could be in some trouble. I mean, their military was a lot. Their military is a lot better than uh, uh, the Republic of Afghanistan's military yeah. was. They have a lot of experience. They have a decent amount of funding coming from both Russia and China. But China and Russia are also supplying the Afghan Taliban a little you bit. You know what's
1: sad is like I'm not even surprised Russia is supporting them. But it surprised me a little bit on China.
0: No, because uh, Afghanistan has a lot of natural resources. Which while well, while the U.S. was there, a lot of surveying was done inside the country, mm-hmm. looking for those natural resources. Mm-hmm. And we found a lot. Yeah. Especially, I mean, not just poppy and heroin, but there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, lapis lazuli. And yeah, and, there's a
1: ton of that shit over there.
0: And more importantly than that, there's a lot of lithium.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, with pushes for like green energy and stuff like that, and yeah. any, anything battery powered, That's you need
1: like battery. You
0: need lithium for batteries. Yeah. And they got a lot of it in Afghanistan. And almost immediately after we pulled out, and the Taliban officially took over, the Taliban, and the Chinese signed a deal, saying, Chinese saying like, "Hey, we'll pay you x, ex- we'll pay you all this. Let us come in there and get get that lithium." And Taliban's like, "Yeah, we need money. We don't care."
1: You know what I would like to know, this is a little off topic, going back to what you were talking about, how like if the Taliban and um, what's the other group called? Al-Qaeda. Yeah, yeah, I can't say that word. Sorry guys, I'm my speech is rough sometimes on words, but if the Taliban and them train the Pakistan army, you said, right?
0: Well, right now the Taliban and, and Al-Qaeda are training the Pakistani version of the Taliban.
1: Oh, the Pakistani version of the Taliban. What I want to know is what what makes these people think, like, what makes the other side think, oh, I want them to train us? You know what I mean? Like, what kind of qualifications do they meet? Or is it a bunch of, like, old generals that actually have, like, experience? Are these just, like, people they take off the street and show them how to point and shoot a gun?
0: No, you these are... I mean? These are guys with a lot of experience, fighting both in Afghanistan against the United States and the coalition, mm-hmm. and also in Iraq fighting against the United States and the coalition. So we've been in a war for the last twenty years. Not we've learned we've learned a lot. We've got a lot of experience from it, but so have our enemies.
1: Okay. So my next question is <laughs> like, and I I'm I'm aware that it's like a third world country situation over there, but just. Does word of mouth not mean anything to these people? Like, do they not know how bad these people are? Like, why are you going to go support... Especially fucking China. Why are you going to fucking support people like that? I don't understand. Like, do you have zero morals? I don't understand. I just don't get that.
0: They just don't see it the way that we do. And there is a divide. I would
1: be curious to know their stance on it.
0: Well, China's always been...
1: China's fucked. Let's just
0: Well they're like economically speaking, they're a lot more practical for the most part. So like they don't really care. They just look like, hey, can we make money here? Can we make materials that we can sell here?
1: They don't need any more money. Good lord. They've got so they much They actually
0: kinda of do. Their 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 economy is in a bad way right now.
1: Well. Wow. You know it's also in a bad way right now over there, their population.
0: Well, that's bleeding into their economy thing. Well, it's just,
1: it's like a lot of old people,
0: though. Well, yeah, the population is because they had the the one-child policy for so long. And even though that was rescinded several years ago...
1: Isn't everyone people, still just having one child, though? Well,
0: one, people got conditioned to it. Yeah. Two, I mean, ripple effect. It's going to take a long time, if ever, for that to work itself out. Yeah. Like, there's so... It's kind of
1: crazy that happened in our lifetime, right? I mean, yeah. think about when, like, our kids are our age... I wonder where China's going to be.
0: Well, honestly, where the world's going to be, because the whole world's going to see a population decline probably in the next 10, 20 years. Like, we
1: already didn't have a population decline with COVID. I mean, what are the... What's the actual stat on that? How many people actually died during that whole thing?
0: I don't think we're ever going to know the actual real numbers.
1: I would love to know.
0: Because I think the numbers that officially exist now are inflated. Yeah. Because... Well, if someone it's died a, during
1: COVID and they even think they had a trace of COVID, they could put that on there and that's what they thought that they died from.
0: Well, so, the hospital, well, a lot of, not all hospitals, but a lot of hospitals were saying like they were doing like the COVID tests and everything. And if anyone died in the hospital, but they also tested positive for COVID, regardless of regardless whether or not the cause of death was the virus, they would still be written down.
1: On the death certificate.
0: It'll still be written on the death certificate. And because there was a lot of hospitals during that time that were getting money.
1: Yeah. No, I know. I know. But like what I'm saying is like where I feel like the population as is, there's a decline. I don't feel like there's been a big decline personally, but I'd love to see the number on it. Like worldwide, how many people we lost during those couple of years when the virus was at its highest, quote unquote.
0: I know. think it was a few it might have been a few million.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like how many people are there in the world right now? 8 billion. Okay, so I guess a few million's not.
0: In the grass detrimental. Of, I mean, it's not good, but
1: Well, no, it's not yeah. good. I'm not I'm not trying to say this is good at all. I'm just I'm just thinking in my head compared to how many they say we have versus how many we lost. I'm wondering like what would be like what would be like the number to be like oh shit, we're in trouble with the population. Like, worldwide. What would be the fucking number? Because, like, you said... How many did you say? 80 billion?
0: 8 billion.
1: Okay, so 8 billion. How many people have to be gone for it to be like, oh shit? What, like 4 billion?
0: To sustain so the like species half- or to sustain the, econ- the world economy?
1: And we kind of go hand in hand on that, don't you think?
0: Well... I mean, you're, not, you're st- not really wrong. To
1: sustain the economy, I guess, would be my biggest concern, personally.
0: Uh, I think if all of a sudden we drop down to like...
1: Like what, $6 billion?
0: I mean, maybe, if not higher than that.
1: What does the world even look like with less than eight billion? I don't think we've ever known that halfway. Maybe when we were kids.
0: Well, that was around when we were born and like kind of starting to grow up and starting to get it, thinking like around the early two thousands. It was around seven billion.
1: Only seven billion, really? Yeah. Wow, I have like such a skewed view of the world. But again.
0: there's been plenty of people saying nowadays, and like me personally, I tend to agree with them that the world population is probably going to cap maybe At a, like
1: eight or like no like no, 10 right
0: no it's probably gonna cap somewhere around nine billion uh-huh and then once we hit that cap it's very quickly going to decline
1: how big of a decline are they thinking
0: i i don't know but it's going to have I'm a thinking, lot of very, i'm thinking
1: half is when you need to be like oh shit it's
0: going to have a lot of very negative effects On the world economy, which will have a lot of negative effects on uh, standard of living worldwide, which will lead to a lot more deaths. But eventually we will stabilize again, but it's going to be... It's going to
1: take some time, though.
0: Yeah, it's uh, not good.
1: Yeah, the question is, what's going to take that amount of people out? Is it going to be man-made? Is it going to be natural? You know what I mean?
0: Well, the uh, elderly population in the world today is really, really large. So how, you, how
1: large are we talking?
0: Uh, Give me a guesstimation. It varies from country to country.
1: Give me a guesstimation for the U.S. Older people population, how much you thinking? The people are living in their 80s now. Easy.
0: I think the elderly population in the U.S. might be like 30-something, maybe 40-something percent. That maybe.
1: That's kind of on the high side.
0: Maybe. Uh, I know the worst... There's a, there's, I mean, there's a few countries that have like a really bad... Uh, Japan is probably the most notable one because they have it. It's almost like two thirds of the population in Japan
1: we, is, on heard, the, is on the
0: older side.
1: I heard. Um, I heard a random thing, and I have nothing to base this off of, but I heard this thing where it's like people in Japan just aren't having kids.
0: No, they aren't. That's the other problem. They're
1: just problem. straight up not reproducing over there yeah, for whatever and, reason.
0: Yeah, we're like the last several years, people have been talking about. The, well, the, gov- the Japanese government has been trying to make programs to incentivize to, yeah. people to get married and have children. Yeah. And it's just still not really, it's not really happening.
1: Oh, you know, this is great. Have you heard of, uh, I want to know if you've heard about this. So there are these guys who they're fed up with dating and marrying women in the U.S., so what they're doing? Oh yeah, I
0: know what you're talking about passport bros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: what they're doing is they're they're getting passports, and a lot of them are actually going to Japan because the 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 ladies over there are like you know they're they're a little bit they're more they're definitely way more traditional over there. Uh, looks are a huge thing in the Japanese culture, so um, you know if you're a hoe, people are gonna be knowing you're a hoe, and they're gonna talk shit, and no one's gonna pay attention to you. So the way you act and stuff over there means something, which, Lord, I wish it meant something over uh-huh. here. Anyway, besides the point, so they're going over there, and they're, and they're finding good relationships, and they're wanting to stay over there, but to continue to have their citizenship over here or whatever, they'll, like, fly back every six months. So they'll come back to the U.S., and they'll go back again to Japan,
0: yeah, and they'll retain jobs in the U.S. They'll yeah, will just work remotely from wherever. Yeah, as long work, as they have an internet connection, yeah. they're good.
1: But they need they need their American citizenship to work those jobs, so they don't want to necessarily pick up another citizenship or whatever. They just have to prove that they have status in the U.S. They actually, I think, they have to have property for a lot of those jobs. So I think a lot of them have houses that they just rent or something. And they just use that as their home address. So, you know, if, if they're getting a company and they're working remotely, they can just do that. But they still have to pay, like, taxes and all this other shit, even though they're living full-time in a completely different country. But, I mean, still, and, well, and that's what I'm finding funny is that a lot of the people over there aren't having children, but when you got guys who are going over there for relationships, you'd think there'd be some kind of spike in the population, by now. I mean, that's kind of... I feel like that's a recent thing in the past couple of years, but still, you think you'd see some kind of increase in population.
0: Uh, I think it's also that, I guess, a lot of ja- the Japanese male population, especially the younger generation, is just... They don't want to get married. Yeah, they don't want to, and honestly, there's more docile, more effeminate, which is...
1: Well, if you think culturally... Mean, I mean, it,
0: it, it, it is their fault, but at the same time, it's kind of like, because... Especially in places like Europe and Japan, like go back to the Second World War, where these cultures reached peak mass as far as I guess like masculinity, like masculinity, like the absolute worst way. Yeah. Where they just complete domination at home, and then going out into the world and trying to conquer everything, which Germany, uh, which under the Nazis tried to do in Europe, and very nearly succeeded. And the Japanese tried to do in Asia and had some success, but a lot of failure because they couldn't sustain it for multiple reasons. And so, kind of the reaction to that is to, well, obviously don't be that way. And I don't know, we're kind of seeing now they've done, they did like a complete 180 on it through the rest of the 20th century, reeling from war, reeling from nuclear disaster, and it's kind of create the generation that it is today because they don't want to be, they don't want to most Japanese don't want to go back to those days. Yeah. Which is understandable.
1: This is a, this is, so this is interesting. So we have, we have a, is it, is it an air force base over there in Japan? What is it?
0: There's a Marine base in Okinawa. And I think there's a, just, I think it's a mixed U.S. military base in Japan itself.
1: Okay. So we have people over there. Do they actually have some form of like army over there anymore? Like,
0: I mean, Japan's got their self-defense force.
1: Like, how, how stacked is that?
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know numbers, but I mean, they're not bad. But they're not per the, their constitution, which was basically created by the U.S. in uh, 46 or 47, I think. I think it was 46. Uh, they're not allowed to really do anything with it outside of Japan.
1: So it's really just for their protection,
0: yeah. If which were to I go think uh, former former Japanese prime minister Shinzo Abe, who was kind of pushed for uh, changes in the, I think they call it the Diet over there, their their version of like uh, Congress and everything. Mm-hmm. I think they call it the Diet. Uh, pushed for some reforms to the constitution, which allows Japan to go overseas. If they deem it necessary, but it has mm-hmm. to be approved by the diet, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so they've kind of gotten some of their autonomy back in that way. But, I mean, there's still, one, the numbers aren't, can't Like, support. they couldn't
1: go over to another country and take over, you think?
0: No. It one, that would be. never fly with the Japanese people today. Two, that logistically, they just couldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, so, and what do you think their opinion is of us being over there? You think they hate us? You think they care?
0: Uh, from my understanding, some Japanese people don't care. Some really love that we're there for reasons. Could be, like, jobs.
1: Yeah. Could be... job security.
0: Yeah. it Could be, like, jobs.
1: I mean, also, like, if you you think of it in kind of sort of way, I mean, tourism. Yeah, tourism.
0: And, uh honestly security because us being us having presence in japan being invested in japan kind of
1: protects them a little bit protects right? them a little
0: bit especially from china yeah When I mean, the chinese and the japanese have never gotten along ever in their history ever
1: Which you know is weird i feel like down the road somewhere they've got to be on some kind of level related in a way oh
0: they absolutely are which
1: so it's like what's the beef like what they
0: just they just developed differently Chinese had their way of doing things on the mainland, and then Japan, being an island chain, had their own way of doing things.
1: Okay, and like, why can't you live in harmony?
0: Historical reasons.
1: Terrible, Which, terrible thou- example. Thousands
0: of years of history. It's <laughs> like
1: a terrible example, but I mean, like, Hawaii's part of the 50 states. Now, they hate they hate mainlanders, but they deal with us, and I mean...
0: Because we, br- we give them a lot of money.
1: Well, tourism... and actually i've heard that tourism may not do as much as we think for hawaii in general like it doesn't exactly outweigh us being there basically yeah um but i don't know that's neither here nor there i was just curious about uh i mean the
0: way hawaii got incorporated into the united states was not not very
1: it wasn't the best way to go about it
0: it was basically a coup yeah so yeah
1: (laughs) We got so far off topic. Sorry, I my brain goes in all directions when we talk about stuff like this.
0: We'll see. We were talking about I think we were talking about the Taliban in China, and we talking about
1: oh we were talking about population. I got on the topic of the guys who go over there to create relationships, and and then I was talking about Japan because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder when China's gonna tap out on population. They have a shit ton of people over there, regardless of regardless of them doing like the one baby. For thing for a really long time like i feel like they're tapped out like in the especially in the rural areas there's no way those people are surviving
0: the rural areas are dying out
1: yeah so it's like they've... well everyone's going to the cities but the cities cannot hold that many people so why don't they start spreading the cities out more why don't they start developing the rural areas around the cities is what like why why not
0: I mean they are and but there's just nobody to go there and then in the process of developing those areas they end up destroying a lot. Like what? Of, Rice patties? Of the land.
1: <laughs> well, I mean that's the price you pay for how big you want to be, I guess. I mean shoot, look at America. Look at look at New York City. They have one patch of green. One patch. They did that.
0: Talking about Central Park?
1: Yeah. I mean, come on. That's kind of wild, if you think about it. I mean, we live somewhere where there's land and land and land, but, like, they have one speck of green in their city. Isn't that crazy? And it's, like, the only reason why, like, the only reason why people who live in California get away with it is because they have a whole coast of beach, you know, so it doesn't seem that bad there. But if you think about it, in the, in the like especially, like, in L.A., it's all freaking buildings. They get away with it. Because they have beaches. But most of it is buildings with like a couple palm trees here and there. You know? I mean you gotta you know I get it, I get it protecting your land and everything. I mean, we have the national forests and stuff like that. We have the Indian reservations. But they could do that over there too. They could they could crop out some areas that are like, hey look, we we need to keep this for X, Y, and Z reason, but everything around it, let's start Let's start lifting it up a little bit. Give our people some places to go. No? Or are they making bank, leaving it the way it is? Because someone's making money somewhere. I mean, why do you think there's such a homeless problem in in California? Because the organization that's supposed to take care of the homeless people, they're making bank. They can't make make money money off off of people who aren't homeless. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking, like, maybe that's the same situation in China. They're just letting those places die out because they're making more money somewhere down the road.
0: Uh, the biggest thing in China is the fact that it is such a centralized state, and it's all. Like about... you
1: mean in the con- like in that in that whole continent.
0: Well, in the country of China, all, everything goes back to Beijing and the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, mm-hmm. which controls everything. Nothing happens without their say so or without them allowing it to happen. People talk about like the Chinese economy, economy today, and like, oh, it's how it's no longer communist. Like, it's got elements of capitalism in there. Like, it's still, I mean, economically, yeah, it kind of dips into that. But all those Chinese companies still answer to the CCP. They do whatever they want, but the CCP tells them that they have to do this or they can't do that. Then guess what? They don't have a choice.
1: Yeah. Did you hear the crazy thing? Like, you can't even own a house in China. Did you hear about that? You can't own a house in China. You rent it. For like 99 years it's like it's it's like a lifetime contract you sign
0: it wouldn't surprise me because
1: <laughs> they won't let you own land there
0: well because like economically it's not 100 percent communist anymore but politically i mean real talk politically it still is very yeah. very very much so a communist uh, communist government and a communist state so and they just they don't at they, this they,
1: point i'm not even sure I'm not even sure anyone in America really owns land if you think about it. Why do we have to pay taxes on something you own?
0: Oh, uh, that gets into that gets into a whole thing.
1: I mean that's basically like paying rent.
0: Yeah. I mean they used to back in like the mid to early nineteenth century, there used to not be as many there was nowhere near as many taxes as there are nowadays and a lot of those taxes came about in the late nineteenth century. Like the 1870s, 1880s, 1890s. Mm-hmm. That's when a lot of the taxes that we have to face kind of started. To, taxes
1: are what's to killing about. I think
0: it was either the 16th or 17th amendment. I want to say it was the 16th Amendment that introduced income tax.
1: They need to get rid of that sucker.
0: Yeah. As hard as it is to make a, constitution, a constitutional amendment, it's especially nowadays, it's on. really hard to get rid of one. Yeah. As much as they would like to get rid of cer- certain ones, but... Yeah.
1: I uh, don't know. In a way, I guess we should be thankful for that. There are some constitutions you need or that we need to keep that people would love to just get rid of so they can yeah. control us even more.
0: I mean, the founding fathers made it difficult on purpose, and that's been both a blessing and a curse. I
1: know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's kind of like a uh, double-edged um, knife or sword whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, things in a totalitarian state like China or ta- or the Taliban... taliban afghanistan where it's like whatever kabul says or well i guess not kabul because the taliban's split right now forget about that whatever the government says to do that's what's going to happen which has its advantages in that it can get things done really quickly but at the sacrifice of the people's freedoms Mm
1: -hmm. and being
0: able to do whatever it is you want to do in your own life and so on and so forth yeah
1: you know surprisingly i feel like i complain I feel like I complain about how America is run and things like that. Surprisingly, though, if you were to go ask someone in, in like, a third-world country who is, like, aware of other countries like America and stuff, surprisingly, we're still better, which is a little shocking. And, I mean, I think a lot of it is, like, my, my own ignorance. I've never really been anywhere. But, I mean, in my head... Sometimes I I think there's got to be somewhere better because I, I just feel like I just feel like America fucks you over in so many ways. But in reality, it's a pretty decent choice if you had to if you had to choose this versus something else. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's still out of all the countries in the world. It's one of the best, if not arguably the best. But
1: yeah,
0: uh, people would make arguments that way or the other about what country's better for what reason or other it's just
1: well just on like just on a woman's just on a woman's stance america's pretty good women here have a lot of freedoms uh which a lot of other companies uh, companies <laughs> <laughs> a lot of other countries don't give so just on that perspective it's decent but anyway i don't want to get into all that uh
0: i think especially like Saying things are bad nowadays, I think. I mean, we grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. And I think that period of time was kind of like the peak. You, of, know, you of know, what, what I'm saying? America? Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean. Not just, not just for like nostalgia factor because that's when we were kids. We didn't have to worry about a lot of stuff because we were kids. Yeah. But I just think looking back on thinking like economically, uh, foreign policy, socially, I don't know. Were we perfect? Absolutely not. But
1: have we ever been perfect? Absolutely no. not.
0: But that was, a, uh, it was pretty. It was a pretty positive image, back then. And uh, getting into the 2010s and getting into now the 2020s, uh, just for I mean, you can get into, like so many different things for one reason or another. It's not. It's not as great as it was back then. Yeah. Does our nostalgia play into that a little bit? I think so. But I also think there is some objective truth there. Yeah. Especially like where I like to focus, which is on like the foreign policy and stuff. Like foreign policy in the '90s and early 2000s. I mean, America couldn't lose, but it was also mistakes we made during that period of time, which mm-hmm. would result in our eventual loss, like it, like it did. So, uh, in the end, I think things are going to end up. Things are eventually going to get better. I think, as I think I've said before, uh, they're going to get worse before they do, but they are eventually going to get better. So.
1: Yeah, everything. Not,
0: not to get completely black pilled, as uh, some as, as some people say. Re- there's still reason to hope, and just, uh, just live your life best you can, and take care of yourself, take care of the people around you, and uh, make it work. Make it work, and I think, I think most people will be able to get through it just fine. But yeah, I don't know. Just wanted to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan a little bit because of probably because of the work out some of the foundation, and just all the research that I've done into it, and it's just really. Uh, it's just sad to see things go back to exactly the almost exactly the way they were. I mean it, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, and I think it's rhyming pre- it's rhyming pretty hard in Afghanistan right now. Uh, I was hoping the the agreement in Doha would actually mean something. Clearly, it doesn't. And I don't know, I think the whole, the more I read about it, I've been reading uh, the American War in Afghanistan by Carter Malkasian, which came out last year sometime, and the paperback and the paperback version, which is what I got, came out earlier this year. I've been reading into that a lot, especially the peace process around the Doha agreement. Fortunately, that whole peace process got undermined, especially in the United States. Who exactly did the undermining uh, is not exactly clear. I know uh, Malkasian and uh, I think that might be some of his own bias, considering some of the people that uh, he openly missed that he's attached to, especially in the uh, State Department and the Department of Defense. But I also think it's kind of a fair criticism because it's true. Uh, he puts a lot of blame on former President Trump. Being so determined just to get troops out of Afghanistan and being so vocal about it. So the Taliban knew that one way or the other, we were going to leave. Yeah. So all they had to do was hold out until we reach a point where it's like, okay, we're just getting out. We don't care anymore. We're just getting out. And then they can just do whatever they want, demand whatever they want, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: unfortunately is pretty much what happened. And they knew we were getting out soon. So all they had to do was like put put a smile on their face and play along until we're gone, and then they could just do whatever. And it turns out they didn't even really have to wait that long. So, and even when they did, I mean, when they opened up their offensive in the summer of 2021, clear violation of the Doha agreement, I mean, what was the U.S. response? We dropped a few bombs in the first days of the offensive, and then did basically nothing else. We continued to downsize. Uh, The military mission in Afghanistan formally ended, I think, around July 12th, when the commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan uh, stepped down and uh, ended that command, and uh, yeah, a month a month later we're sending troops back in to Kabul to uh, oversee an evacuation, which no one really planned for until August 14th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, east coast of the United States, I mean. Uh, there was a meeting with the uh, heads of all the departments, I forget exactly what it was called uh security council meeting those security council meeting at 3 30 to discuss planning for an evacuation out of kabul both u.s allies and uh, at-risk afghans 3:30 eastern time on august 14th is two in the morning on august 15th and what was going on at two in the morning on august 15th the tal the taliban vanguard was entering the outskirts of kabul hell of a time to start planning Or have a meeting saying that you're going to start planning They didn't even plan anything in the meeting They just said like Okay, we're going to start Okay, we're going to start planning (laughs) Like what the fuck
1: I mean, there's a lot to be said About how it all went down I just think It was poorly done Overall
0: Oh, there's no question There's no question of that at all it's just the only question people are really asking is like where's the blame lie and it kind of lies with it lies with everybody involved I mean that and when I say everybody involved they can go all the way back to Bush hell even Clinton if you really want to go back that far because Clinton did lead strikes in Afghanistan during the 90s which very very few people know about or acknowledge which speaking of Al Qaeda and Afghanistan those cruise missile and airstrikes in the I think it was 98 because it was in response to the bombing of U.S. embassies in Africa. In, uh, I think, Kenya and Tanzania. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those, uh, those two embassies. Those strikes were targeted at Al-Qaeda installations in Afghanistan. And they ended up... Uh, we, we destroyed s- some material. I didn't do knew as much damage as I think we thought we did. And Osama bin Laden survived those strikes which only endeared him in the eyes of the Afghan people, especially those people aligned with the Taliban. So, yeah. So when we come... Kind so,
1: of snowballed
0: after yeah. that. So when you fast forward to 2001, <laughs> after 9-11, when, we're, when the Bush administration is telling the Taliban, it's like, hey, the only way to avoid war with us is if you turn over bin Laden right now. And what, in fact, the Taliban said was, we can't do that we cannot do that and retain our legitimacy so yeah i mean what's the future for afghanistan i honestly don't know right now it's looking like it's going to be pretty taliban heavy because they've consolidated their power uh, more so than they ever have before they have a very firm grip over afghanistan there is some resistance to their government in afghanistan both in forms of uh, other radical extremists uh, isis in, Afgan- in afghanistan they don't like the Taliban, as well as a uh, anti tal whatever remains of the uh, anti Taliban groups from the nineties.
1: You know what would have been interesting if America would have made some kind of like alliance with those people to get rid of the Taliban. That would have been quite interesting. We
0: did in two thousand one, and it was very successful.
1: So, like, what happened? Like
0: the government we stood up was not a very good one. Gotcha. With those people, because a lot of them acted in their own interests and for their own power, which pissed off a lot of people.
1: I bet so. Uh,
0: that's a very oversimplified uh, and shortened version of the story. But yeah. And technically, elements of that resistance still exist inside Afghanistan. Uh, I think they've gone past the point where they could like really be effective. Who knows? They might have a resurgence in a couple of years. But I don't think anything's going to happen with them anytime soon. I don't think ISIS in Afghanistan is very successful. And in the UN report that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, apparently Al-Qaeda is uh, using their influence in the country to uh, infiltrate not only the Taliban, but to also infiltrate ISIS and uh, other groups that are operating inside Afghanistan. So there's a fair chance that Al-Qaeda we'll have a pretty firm grasp on everything that's going down there. Mm -hmm. Will they ever be the the, uh, de facto power in Afghanistan? Personally, I don't think so. I think the Taliban will hold on to that with an iron grip. And uh, I think if the Taliban ever feels like Al-Qaeda is starting to threaten their power in the country, I think they'll just get rid of them. But that hasn't happened yet, and I I don't see it happening anytime soon. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think the numbers in the report uh, are around like 400 are about two to four hundred fighters for al-qaeda in the country uh with those numbers going up to two thousand when you account account for supporting support personnel and families which is significant especially when you think about the numbers were very similar to the to the 1990s but i mean they're not going to challenge the taliban for power but i do think they are supporting this one particular faction of the taliban that they are closely aligned with and I think if that faction wins out in any kind of uh, future power struggle or current power struggle I think they will have a lot more say in what goes on inside that country so yeah, Central Asia Central Asia is uh, not busting as the kids say nowadays
1: is that what they're saying?
0: yeah, I've heard, I've heard that term a lot recently <laughs>
1: interesting
0: so yeah yeah. anything else you want to say or talk about?
1: Um, no, not really. It's just a messed up situation, and like you said, it's probably going to get worse before it gets any better, but...
0: uh, A little bit of a shorter episode this this month, and uh I know it's pretty me-heavy.
1: Which is fine.
0: Yeah. I know you're really busy. There, you, Dylan has a couple ideas of her own, but she's really busy right now, so she'll get to them when she gets to him.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you're fine. You're, you're busy working right now.
1: <laughs> I mean... We give y'all a talk on trigger points or something. <laughs> something I mean, medical, we could do a medically medical related. We could, we could do
0: a medically focused one, a chiropractic focused one. I think that'd be interesting.
1: I could give y'all the history. We could talk about D.D. Palmer. He was insane.
0: Honestly, yeah. Why not? Because I know <laughs> the B, only thing I know about D. E. J.
1: Ch- Palmer was insane. He ran over his dad.
0: You're talking about like literally ran them over?
1: Yeah, like literally. So and then fixed it's, them? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so D.D. Palmer was the guy who like put chiropractic on the spotlight. This his, is a
0: preview for our future episode. Yeah,
1: honestly, we might actually do it. I have so many books on this. <laughs> uh, B.J. Palmer is his son, okay? So it's not quite confirmed what really happened. But there was a parade and they were, it was like a celebratory kind of thing. There were a lot of people in chiropractic there. And the reports from numerous people confirm that BJ ran his father over in a car because they had had a fight. And they were, they were known to be in active fights all the time because the way that they viewed chiropractic and how it should go into the future were very different. Dee, Dee was more old school, BJ was trying to bring chiropractic into the future, and his dad was resistant to that. So they were always like at war with each other on like, hey this is how we should do it, and then you know anyway it would always go back and forth. But apparently Dee, Dee pissed off his son so bad in this argument But at this celebratory thing, it was like a little parade thing going on in town. He got in his car, went through a crowd of people just to maul his dad over. His dad was reportedly fine, but he did in fact hit his father in a car.
0: So they wouldn't just fight. It would be extremely violent. Oh, like, it was... Trying to inflict death. <laughs>
1: so, well, that, but, like, also, they were... Trying to
0: cause death. They were both
1: me. businessmen. So the competition for who could, like, outwin someone on, like, a financial level was really high. So, like, Dee Palmer would come up with this great idea. He'd make a lot of money. He'd get a lot of people in. And then all of a sudden, BJ would come in and outdo his dad. And then it would just start a whole war within the family (laughs) of like, oh, I can do this better than you. And it's like, no, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. And then it's like, you know, so it's like, it was a, it was like a total war going down between them.
0: What year was this? Do you know? Uh, No,
1: I'd have to, I'd have to look up the year. Was it like the
0: early 1900s, late 1800s or like? 1800s, really? I don't know.
1: Chiropractic has only been around for a hundred and... 27 years or something like
0: that. See, I didn't know that. So,
1: it was in the early 1900s.
0: Because I'm just imagining him plowing through a crowd of people trying to get his dad in like an old Ford Model T.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> And this, this is what's really funny about it. This is even better. Okay, so this was, this was at the part where circuses became a thing. Like actual, actual circuses.
0: Circuses as we know them today.
1: Yeah, the guy who came up with it was his name, Barnum something. P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum. He got really famous for how he portrayed circuses. You know, like the old school circus signs with like the people and like the language, like the way the, the words were written in that calligraphy kind of style. Yeah, well,
0: he was big in the 1840s, 1850s.
1: Right. So Dee Palmer grew up on that and he liked that. So this dude goes out and he buys these big carnival, like, train things to sit outside of his clinic in his schools and stuff and that's how he portrayed chiropractic for a hot second he had
0: as a circus act no well wonder it wasn't going anywhere no, seriously that is
1: a circus <laughs> act. he did it as like like to draw people in he wanted like a cool thing to be like like oh look that sign looks really cool like let's go in and check it out so he had these big signs made for chiropractic but he had them in, like, all this fancy lettering and stuff. And that's how he would draw people in. But, like, BJ didn't like that after a while. He was like, that's too old school. Like, we're trying to be serious about it. And so that was another that was another thing they fought about. Anyone who knows history better than me on this subject, don't come for me. This is just what I remember while I was in school. Some of the details could be a little sketchy in my brain because I haven't gone over it in a while.
0: I'm just imagining now some guy standing on, like, a little... Stu- whatever the fuck it was called I was like in the middle of the three ring circus the little oh like a stool, little podium little podi- standing on a podium uh, just like that's call- not what he did just calling out to people let me oh. finish my bit <laughs> cause this, I think it's really funny <laughs> like, alright folks step right up step right up can you see the amazing cracker here no I'm not talking about those people down in Mississippi I'm talking about that doctor cracker the greatest cracker of all <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
1: Honestly, though, that's what they call chiropractors, y'all. They, for the longest time... They... <laughs> Did you know that? No. I, <laughs> I never told you that.
0: No. <laughs> I'm just so, thinking crackers crackers like the racial slur for no, white people. <laughs> no.
1: So in the beginning of chiropractors, they used to call us crack jobs. So everyone would just call you cracker. Like a cracker. And, and so it was like, a, that for a really long time, that's what people would call chiropractors. They thought we were whack jobs.
0: They'll make it crack at places you didn't even know you could.
1: Yeah, honestly, though. <laughs> it's so funny. We'll have to talk about it. There was like this whole stint where like a lot of chiro's went to jail. D.D. Palmer went to jail for a hot second. What was funny is when he was in jail, he adjusted all the inmates he was in with. <laughs> so it really didn't stop him from practicing. He still practiced while he was in jail and that went for a lot of chiropractors who got sent to jail.
0: You know how in jail nowadays they have like the siren or the bell announcing like when the cells open oh up God. or when prisoners move from one place to another. Yes. You just have him next to a next to a louds on a next to loudspeaker, just like cracking the warden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be kinda of funny.
0: Oh, that was his hit. Time to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're having a lot of fun with this, aren't you? Oh yeah, we but,
0: definitely. We're, we're doing this now. Uh, I'd be start, fine with Start, that. start, reading back up on it because um, I want a whole I podcast will. dedicated to this. Oh, there's
1: this one lady I actually did a project on her when I was in school. She, <laughs> she was an amazing. I can't remember. Uh, I have to go back. I have I have the file still on her, but she was an amazing chiropractor. She would and she lived out in the country. She would actually routinely go to jails to adjust people in jail. Because they didn't care if she practiced chiropractic in a jail. Like, she was a badass. She was really, really cool. She was beyond her time. Chiropractic actually saved her life. She had all these, like, uh, immune disorders and stuff like that. And she started doing she started doing chiropractic. And she got on, like, a better health track. It saved her life. And so she dedicated chiropractic for the rest of her life. She was actually a really cool chick. Um, but, yeah, we can talk more about it. DD Palmer was insane. His son wasn't any better. Uh, his wife, I think her name was, was it Merrill Palmer or something like that? She was actually a really cool chick. She actually is the one who kind of helped to create the schools. She kind of kept Dee, Dee level-headed in that aspect, but yeah, oh, there's so many more good stories to tell about chiropractors. We were all crazy when it first started to go off. It's definitely developed over time, so please don't be afraid to go to a chiropractor. But the history in it is actually quite funny because it was, they were creating something new and this was, and this was before like anyone would even, no, and even now people don't accept it. So like trying to get people on board with something that's new, it's scary and it doesn't always work out, you know, so they were trying to push a big movement that was, people just weren't ready for. So, but yeah, there's there's a lot of fun stuff we could talk about. We could talk about uh, Gonstead. He was a really cool guy. He got
0: yeah, say something for the podcast.
1: Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. We you gotta can say, say something, something
0: for the podcast. We can
1: talk more about other people who created other techniques and stuff. But yeah, just to go over the story.
0: Um, oh, I'm gonna have fun with that one.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll get the I'll get more details about it, and we can talk more about it. I can give you more information on. Uh, DD and BJ just kind of give y'all a quick little rundown.
0: And honestly, way with uh, we've talked about like my side of things as far like being in the Marine, military stuff like that. Yeah, you're we're long overdue for uh, something more for something
1: in my field.
0: Honestly, I'm okay
1: with it. I mean, not a lot of people. I've
0: thought about it before. Yeah, definitely. I
1: think I've just been. I think also (laughs) I've been hesitant about it because I recognize that not everyone is for chiropractic and. I feel like it's one of those controversial things that I wasn't sure if we were okay bringing on to our podcast. But we talk about controversial stuff all the time, I feel like. So- well, it gets
0: mentioned. We don't explicitly talk about it, but it definitely gets yeah. mentioned. But, I mean, yeah, we, we're people just like anybody else. We have our own views and beliefs on things. and yeah. Take it or leave it. Exactly. And if you, I mean, hey, if you really want to, and uh, shoot us an email at Mountain at gmail.com and... Come have a conversation, but yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. We would love to have some people on the podcast if you're wanting to talk with us. It's all, it's all good. We're just here to have good conversations. I love learning. I think I've made that pretty clear over the past, um, past podcast. I just enjoy learning. I love to hear other people's side of the story, uh, and none of it's none of it's hat- none of it is like hateful. Uh, it's all it's all good vibes, and, you know, we just want to see what everyone else thinks.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, there's very, very few reasons to hate just about anybody in the world. Yeah. And uh, it's a very strong word, and I think it's been watered down a lot, especially in the last several years. Yeah. But, yeah. So, no. No, no ill will from us. No, absolutely like not. We'd be genuinely interested in the... Yeah, to have a conversation. I'm not saying we're going to necessarily agree with everything you say, but I no, mean, we're
1: but I'd like to hear everyone out. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'm, <coughs> I'm fine with hearing anyone yeah, out who wants to talk about anything.
0: Yeah, we don't expect you to agree with anything that we say. No. Like like I said, like you're your own person. You have your own thoughts and think about stuff and do whatever it is that you want, so long as you're not trying to hurt other people.
1: Exactly. That's
0: really what it comes down to.
1: Yep. <coughs> Absolutely agree on that. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, shoot that, us an email. Let us know what you think of the past podcast if you've been keeping up with us. Again, sorry for the little hiatus we had. Just we had a lot of live stuff going on. But we're back. We're really trying to put more out there this year than we did last year. Let us know what you guys think. If there's a topic or something you think that would be cool that we talk about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys, whoever's listening out there.
0: Yeah, I know there's at least a few of you.
1: (laughs) We know you're out there somewhere. Just let us know what you think. Um,
0: but yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And also, uh, if you use Spotify to listen to this, uh, you can support us now. You can, uh, there's a link. There should be a link in the podcast now to, uh, I mean, if you feel so inclined to, uh, send us donations, uh, money, I guess, if that's something you feel like you would want to do, uh, but you don't have to do it. I mean, we're going to keep doing this. I mean, as of right now, we're going to keep doing this regardless because, I think we have fun with it. and it's just
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun for me. Please night- don't feel like this is like a big plug or something. This is strictly only if you're interested. We're not asking for, you know, a lot of donations or anything. It is just something that is there if you want to, by all means. If not, that's totally fine too. We're still going to be here talking at least once a month. We're going to try to increase that eventually. But, you know...
0: I, like I mean, this. if you wouldn't mind funny. helping uh, fuel my wife's coffee addiction, that'd be helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, she... Not means... really
0: her coffee addiction. It's her coffee mug addiction. Addiction, excuse me. So.
1: Yeah, honestly, that's true.
0: Yeah, she can't even deny it.
1: it no, I have both a coffee bean addiction and a coffee cup addi- addiction. You know what? I'm okay with that. It's my husband who has a problem with it.
0: I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying. <laughs> just giving a wink wink nudge nudge (laughs) yeah cough once if you need help
1: (coughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway look forward to the upcoming podcast we'll have some really fun stuff to talk about try not to make it too serious the next one
0: yeah i know this one was probably a little rough to get through but if you made it this far uh thank you
1: (laughs) yeah thank you
0: but yeah i think the the chiropractic history would be yeah it'd be fun really awesome and that we can we can probably get into the uh morality and the uh ethics of uh, chiropractic as well. Or medicine in general. I yeah. Mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there.
1: Oh my gosh, there's so much and I'm not even sure if I'm prepared to get into all that. There's a lot of whew, there's just a lot going on when it comes yeah. to chiropractic and then
0: honestly and, and other uh stuff. I mean this could be up a little bit of a shameless plug, but I think doing that episode might end up uh being better than our Diogenes episode, which I think is one of the best was oh, one. Don't the, even say it's that about that episode. It's one of the better episodes that we've done.
1: <laughs> that is I think still to this day that is like my favorite one. I That was a
0: lot of that was a lot of fun to do. Diogenes is yeah. a character and I definitely want to revisit him and the rest yeah. of the Greek old Greek philosophers at some point. I still want to get into the Stoics eventually, but mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there one step at there. a
1: time one step at a time i mean i liked um our first two podcasts were just on socrates and i actually really enjoyed that as well yeah. so um but i did like diogenes he was he was a cool character and he'd probably go on my want to invite to dinner list if i ever get to finish that list
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and honestly if you ever want to talk about that list too we saw him done that we talked yeah. about that doing that for an episode we'll mm-hmm. see
1: well, we were going to do that episode. It turned into something completely different. So. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, the, uh, that was the original uh, Last Deployment Project uh, podcast. That was, yeah. That's what that was supposed but to be. But it was
1: a super important topic, so we talked about that instead. Yeah. But anyway, next one will be super fun, so please tune back in. Look forward to it. I hope everyone's doing well. And everyone have a really good 4th of July. <laughs> Make sure you hug your families. Be thankful for them. If you have anyone in your family who has served... Thank them for their service. That's super important. We thank everyone who's listening, who's ever served. Thank you so much for serving on Crunchy. We're very, very grateful for you.
0: Yeah, for my brothers and sisters. Just a uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. This has been Socrates on the Mountain with Dylan and Chris. Y'all have a good one. All
0: right. in next time, see the famous Dr. Cracker. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Bye.
1: You didn't do the ghost thing again. Oh,
0: shit. Next time we'll be cracking ghosts. No, that was bad. Yeah, that was bad. I might cut that out. Now nah, nah, I can't, I feel like. But yeah, uh, all the ghosts out there, uh, be good people, do good things, and uh, if y'all made it this far again, thank you, and uh, see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.